1: it's time Time for
0: barreled up by
1: ball cap sports here's your here's your here's your host jim welcome back to the barreled up podcast today we are continuing our exit interviews we touched on the blue jays we touched on the twins we haven't gone around all teams yet but we've done about half of them and we're going to do another one today and it is for the houston Astros, whose season came to a disappointing end in game seven of the ALCS. So we got to go back into Houston. We need to find somebody that lives, breathes, eats, sleeps Houston Astros sports. And there are few better than Charlie Palillo, who will be joining me to talk about what happened in Houston, what the team maybe does next. We get into some offseason discussions. What does he expect this team to do financially from a roster perspective? And it looks like Dusty might be done. So who's taking over for Dusty? We're going to get into all of that again with Charlie. Make sure to find his content. You can find him on YouTube uh, at Sports Houston. He's also got SportsMapHouston.com. So make sure you find any Astros fans that are listening. If you have not, make sure to go check him out. And if you are aware, Maybe there's something new out there you could go check out. I cannot thank Charlie enough, and I want to try to support you know all of his content outlets as much as I can for him being a guest and coming on. So, Charlie Palillo is coming up, but as a reminder, those of you listening out there, if you have not yet, make sure to subscribe to the pod, rate and review, help us grow, and turn on those automatic downloads if you have not yet, so when the content, when new shows are added to the feed, you have them right away. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Charlie Palillo. All right, I am here with Charlie Polillo. We are diving into the Houston Astros. You can find a lot of his work, Sports Map Houston, um, on YouTube. Um, and I'll let him tell you all that are listening a little bit more about where you can find his content and, and where he's putting his stuff out uh, in a few minutes. But let's... Let's get into this whole thing because it's disappointing to go undefeated on the road in the postseason. And then at home, that's where the struggles are. The disappointment, I I saw you guys do the live stream, uh, you and your other two co-hosts. But for my audience, for my listeners, for, for, for people on my YouTube channel, Let them know. Talk about the end. What sort of left you most disappointed with the way this team performed and how things ended there in the ALCS?
0: Thanks for the invite, first off,
1: Jim. Some things just defy logical
0: explanation. The Astros all season were a mediocre toward awful team at home. Mm -hmm. They dumped home series in September to Oakland and Kansas City. So right. it's not like it's a stunning development that in the playoffs they weren't airtight at home. Regular season mm-hmm. and playoffs, mm-hmm. they wind up 40 and 47 at Minimade Park. They have no good answers for it. Mm-hmm. They tried different things. In September, there was whining about the batter's eye. Look, 2022, right. they were 55 and 26 at home, and the offensive numbers were markedly better at Minute Maid Park than they were on the road. It's not as if last offseason, Towles Hill, if you remember that, the hill in center field was ripped out and the backdrop Mm -hmm. was changed. No, the same 2022 to 2023. They basically just stunk at home relative to on the road where they were 51 and 30, right? Double that, that's a 100-win baseball team on the road. At home, a losing record. The 2001 Braves, the last team to make the playoffs with a losing home record. And the form chart held. Uh, it's a double kick in the teeth for the Astros and the fan base that, prior to this league championship series, only once—not just in Major League Baseball, but any of the major sports that play best of seven series—had a home team lost four games to lose the series, and it was the 2019 World Series when the Astros dropped to at home yep. to the Nationals, rebound, mm-hmm. go win three in D.C., come home and then lose games six and seven. So uh, a very unfortunate sequel. Uh, For the Astros on that front, Uh, specifically to the series, the Rangers have the better lineup, 1-9. to They don't have black holes in there. And there's always the vagary of short series baseball. To me, momentum's an extremely overused word in sports. Uh, Jim, to me, momentum just defines where things are in the moment. Astros-Rangers series, could the Rangers have had more momentum? Up 2 nothing, going home to Arlington, where they were fantastic this year. And the yeah. Astros win three in a row. Oh, the Astros have seized all the momentum, and they go home and lose six and seven. Right? Momentum is just the current state of affairs in baseball. It has the long-term axiom, momentum is the next game starting pitcher. Momentum is just something you have until you don't. Right? You can't bottle it and maintain it.
1: In Houston, it really was remarkable because you you have the the win loss, but when you dive even closer at the numbers the performance with runners in scoring position of the team ERA. Now, during the regular season, we saw the 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 the, the run production, the, the offensive numbers take the dip at home. But here in the postseason, we even saw the pitching. We saw the numbers go up. Now, that may be Picard, pardon, partly because of what you talked about, the Rangers. That lineup is so difficult to pitch to at any point. But even still, when Houston was on the road, the – team era was better by two runs than it was at home so this it really is something where i i'm i i i'm a i'm I'm an analytical guy and i'm always trying to find answers and the only thing i can come back to and and you tell me what you think about this I, i don't know how we would get to this point because this team is so playoff tested playoff proven it just seems like was it was it could it have been something between the ears? Was it a mental thing? I mean, Framber Valdez, I had um H Town Wheelhouse from Locked on Astros on two weeks ago as a guest on the podcast. And he talked about Framber Valdez um having a with the confidence issue. Talked about how when the Astros score first, their record was incredible. But when the other team scored first, the ability to fight back, they struggled to come back. So the runners in score position, everything is. Could there have been. From any indication you're with the t- you you are you have your finger on the pulse for the Astros far more than I do because I'm looking at all all, all the whole league d- d- is there any indication that maybe there's something mental that was going on when they went back home? were they pressing too hard were they too aggressive? were they trying to do too much? Passion, drive and patience.
0: Impossible to quantify, but seemingly unreasonable to completely dismiss. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically up 3-2 in the American League Championship Series. Framber Valdez was a lousy pitcher the last three months of the regular season, right? In 2022, he set the MLB record for consecutive quality starts as dubious Mm -hmm. six innings, three earned runs allowed as his quality. But that's the definition. Valdez threw 26 consecutive quality starts in 2022. Virtually impossible to be more consistent than that. Well, late June 2023, his ERA was 227 through 14 starts. He was probably top three for Cy Young at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Rest of the season, with a no hitter mixed in along the way, his ERA was 464. Add in the two playoff starts, and the rest of the season from 227 on, ERA over five. So that in one start against an elite lineup, whether playing at Minimade Park, Globe Life Park, Yellowstone National Park, that Framber Valdez didn't do the job. Not really shocking. Javier, meanwhile, had an ERA over six over a stretch of a dozen starts in the second half of the season. Seemed to rediscover his mojo, the postseason dominance of a year ago in his first three postseason starts. So you wanna call it regression to the mean, just one awful outing. I really don't think he choked in game seven uh he gave up a couple of hits uh garcia went on a one game plus one at bat jag for the ages the grand slam to put away game six and then the the monster Mm -hmm. game seven you throw in a blue pit that the center fielder horribly misjudges another ball that finds a hole and you know in may he's not going to be lifted in the first inning but game seven in october number one many managers are prone to overmanage you're kind of a DEFCON 10 level, I suppose, at that point. So uh, Javier, you know, embarrassing one-out performance in Game 7. Uh, so I don't think he or Valdez were spooked by pitching at home, uh, that the lineup got shut down. Hey, Nathan Ivaldi's a beast. Until he was injured in the second half of the season, he was a top three Cy yep. Young guy. Came yep. back in September, routinely got shellacked. The Astros did it once up there in Arlington in September. Well, he was just building back up. And in the postseason, he's been terrific uh Scherzer didn't have a whole lot but Jordan Montgomery what an acquisition for them uh Bruce Bochy's the guy with Madison Bumgarner years ago in a game seven of the World Series on two days rest who threw five innings well he had Montgomery to go to for two and a third big innings in game seven to keep that lead and enable the Rangers to build on it meanwhile Dusty Baker's asking uh a couple of rookies Hunter Brown and JP France to keep the game close and or yeah close, reasonably close and, and they could not uh, as Baker honorably put it in the post game he doesn't like to tip his cap to anybody but if you beat the hell out of me, what are you supposed to do right nine two and 11 four in game six and game seven you didn't deserve to win a series
1: was there a reason why you, you we saw we saw Bochy go to Montgomery was there a reason why is it is it age is it is it what wh- why didn't no, we Verlander. see Verlander in game seven yeah
0: I, I think it would have been the most dire of, of circumstances mm-hmm. uh to go with Verlander. You know, generally, the the short rest starts haven't gone well in the postseason. Okay, well, here you're asking for an inning or two. Right. Um, but that he went to uh, Phil Maton, who's a 5th or 6th or 7th inning guy, to clamp it down he's on the first. I thought it was solid. questionable that he pulled him you know, after a dozen pitches mm-hmm. in the first inning when mm-hmm. he still had eight more innings to cover. Uh, Hunter Brown in April was looking like an early rookie of the year candidate. Well, from May 1st on, his ERA was over five. So that's yeah. the guy you're going to in Game 7 because he had three innings and ostensibly a, a mop-up role in one game earlier in the series. Uh, J.P. France was a very pleasant surprise as a rookie, not a legit prospect, 28 years old, but they had injury problems stack up on their staff. And for about three months, he was a revelation, but he faded down the stretch. And in the last weekend of the regular season, he had a family emergency. Uh, pregnant wife took a little bit ill. Fortunately, everything went well there. But it cost him his last start of the regular season in Arizona. Jose Rukiti pitched great in that game when the Astros were fighting to make the playoffs. So France was relegated to a, a bullpen role in, in the postseason. Right, he didn't make one postseason start, and here you are in Game Seven. Hey, go get him, Tiger! Give us three quality innings, and, and he was unable to to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not on Dusty Baker that they lost Game Seven. Right, they got blown out, they got outpitched, they got yeah. hit, they got yeah. fielded. Uh, but a couple of the buttons Dusty pushed pushed as as we want to happen tactically. Um, and I'm not going to so far as to say Bruce Bochy plays chess and Dusty Baker plays checkers, but it right. was probably Dusty's last checker game.
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk about Dusty in just a minute. I am I am interested to get your thoughts on on moving forward. But before we get to the Dusty portion of moving forward, just in general, is there is this just something that you have to chalk up to an unexplainable set of circumstances or is there a way to fix What went wrong in 2023 so that it doesn't repeat itself in 2024? Or is that too knee-jerk? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, they they still have a very strong nucleus, but it's not a great team anymore. They won 90 games, which by definition means you're at least pretty good. And with the Rangers wilting the last week of the season, they were able to snatch away the division title. But over this dynastic run, they've had seasons of 101, 103, 107, And last year in winning the second World Series, 106 wins. So the drop from 106 to 90, you know, you're going from the penthouse, not to the outhouse, but you're dropping down a few stories. Mm -hmm. 2022, the starting pitching was magnificent. The bullpen in the postseason was historically great. And the lineup was a little bit better than 2023, right? This team has holes. The starting pitching really faded in the second half of the season. They probably don't even make the playoffs if they do not reacquire Verlander at the end of July. I can't just explain it away as, oh, Lance McCullers was hurt because Lance McCullers is always hurt. Counting on him would have been foolish. They did lose lose, lose Luis Garcia, a legit number four starter type guy for the year, very early in the year. But you know what? If he doesn't go down, J.P. France never comes up and becomes a shocking 12-game winner uh, as a rookie. So, uh, you know, there's been talent drain here that they've really not skipped a beat on over the last few years. A little of that probably finally came home to roost this year. Throwing Jordan Alvarez, missing nearly one-third of the season injured. Jose Altuve, missing nearly one-half of the season injured. The, the hand fracture of the WBC. Uh, then he had uh, an oblique problem that, that cost him another few weeks. Um, but it's just not a great team anymore. The farm system is in bad shape. They're going to have some payroll decisions to make Altuve and Bregman both going into the last seasons of their contracts. Uh, Altuve 1, Bregman 2, pillar players of this whole run. Altuve turns 34 in May. Bregman will be 30 by the start of next season. So, you know, in this era of 10 and 11 million uh, year contracts taking guys to 39, 40, 41 years of age, it's pretty Mm -hmm. stupid business unless you're willing to take serious sunk costs, the back end of those deals from Xander Bogarts to probably Trey Turner and and all the deals of that ilk that that went crazy last offseason. Jim Crane, the owner here, uh, I think for the most part, to his credit, has been very, very disciplined. You know, We're not going five, six years to keep Carlos Correa with some iffiness to his health. We're not going six years on 31-year-old George Springer. Neither of those guys had good years this year and both have multiple years left on their contract. But you know what? talent wins in the end and you suffer enough losses, right? Garrett Cole, they weren't going to go nine years in Yankee money to keep no. Garrett Cole. Right. Uh, but over time, right? In the scientific community, it's brain drain here. It's, it's baseball talent drain. And when you don't have your farm system ch- churning out some real notable and some higher end talent. Right, when the Astros went into deep, deep tank mode and Jeff Luno architected this whole thing, well, they hit on Correa. They hit on Springer. They developed Dallas Keuchel. Uh, Altuve, a product of their system. Uh, So some brilliant talent and also the early years of their career, cheap talent before they get to their arbitration years, and then you can go year by year. And and a couple of them they re-sign, right, Altuve and and Bregman. Uh, But all runs end. Now in this era with three wild cards, I'm not saying it's easy to get in the playoffs, but 84 wins. See, Arizona, you can wind up in the World Series. The whole point is to get in the tournament. But the 2024 Texas Rangers and they were to land Otani's bat, or a significant bat, or other two bats, uh, the 2024 Seattle Mariners uh, may both be projected ahead of the Astros, subject to what the Astros do uh, in this offseason. The gap obviously was wiped out this year. This is a team that's repeatedly won the division by double digits. This year they won it on a tiebreaker, and they do have some age and some health question marks, but there is still the core. And just to throw one more name, uh, Kyle Tucker's probably going to show top five in American League MVP voting. Well, Kyle Tucker in the postseason went six for 40. That's that's a 150 batting average. You go six for 40 in mid-June, it's a funk. You go Mm -hmm. six for 40 in October, it's an epic fail. It's a choke. He's not clutch. Uh, I doubt Kyle Tucker will be uh, emotionally devastated from this and his career spirals. Uh, This is a guy two years away from free agency at 26 years of age. So with Tucker, with Alvarez, the younger guys, and still, mm-hmm. Altuve, to a lesser extent, Bregman, who's good, not great. Uh, the young catcher who Dusty Baker refused to give the percentage of playing time that he should, Yiner Diaz. Right. It's not going right. to be a huge surprise if he's a silver slugger winning catcher next year. So right. they, they they have the core of still a very good lineup and pieces of the pitching staff. But their margin of error has been drastically reduced from what it was over all of this run, save the short COVID season.
1: With all of those thoughts in mind, when with, with talking about Altuve, um, and, and a looming decision there. We're talking about Bregman, which may be an even more interesting decision because there might be teams that are willing to go deep into his 30s to to sign Alex Bregman, depending on the type of season that he has next season, of course. But that's going... And, and the looming contracts for Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, those will all certainly play a role, I would I would think in how the Astros go through their 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 off season this upcoming uh this upcoming winter with with the free agents. Brantley is a free agent. Maldonado is a free agent. Stanik Maton they're free agents. You've also got a player option for Hector Neris and it's 8.5 million. I would anticipate that Nerys declines that and goes out there, tries to get more, tries to get some guaranteed money at age 34. Maybe he's trying to find a, his last two- or three-year deal. So they may need to go out and, and replace a lot of bullpen pieces if it is Nerys, Stanek, and Maton that all end up walking. Molinato, um, uh, again, another stalwart there. What are your expectations for this offseason season Because when you factor in arbitration dollars, because Tyler and Tucker and Alvarez are going to get some serious money through arbitration. So it's not like there's it's not like you got, you know, all this money coming off the books and they've got, you know, 50 to 75 million dollars to work with. I think they're going to have to be smart. And again, they have the horizon on the on their mindset. What do you see? What are your expectations on their approach this offseason as far as it pertains to the roster? Uh, most notably, uh, Jordan is controlled.
0: They got him at what looks like a tremendous deal. Right, steal right. Unless right. Injuries good point become an issue. Right. He has five years left on six years at under 20 million per.
1: Good point uh, Kyle that's Tucker's good point.
0: two years away. He made five million mm-hmm. this past season after losing his arbitration case. Have so you budget him at 10, million, 12 million for 2024? Certainly manageable. And mm-hmm. that's easily offset. Michael Brantley looks finished. You can't count on the shoulder staying healthy. He didn't hit in the playoffs once he got back five for 28. He's 36 years old. He made $12 million this year to hardly play at all. Uh, If you want to keep him as an extra outfielder, pinch hitter, at $2.5 million. Mm -hmm. uh, But Brantley is a piece to be counted on at this point is done. Maldonado is a terrible player. Right, He's always been a lousy offensive player. The defense has deteriorated for most of the year until a couple of blowout losses. Uh, the Astros' pitching staff earned average was actually lower with Yiner Diaz behind the plate than it was mm-hmm. with Maldonado. His nickname has been Machete for the throwing arm, more like butter knife now. He threw out under yeah. 15% of opposition base dealers. And while we're not talking 1980s AstroTurf baseball, The running game took on a little increased importance with the rule changes this year, the larger bases and a little bit shorter distance, first to second. Uh, Maldonado did successfully uh, defend his Major League uh, title and pass balls. Yonor Diaz did not have one. The Mm -hmm. framing numbers, Maldonado was about dead last in Major League Mm -hmm. Baseball, if you buy into that. So there really isn't a leg to stand on other than a couple of the pitchers swear by the guy. And Dusty Baker considered him some sort of Yoda Menza that I guess Justin Verlander would go to pieces if Martin Maldonado wasn't his personal catcher. Imagine how bad Fromber Valdez might have been in in the second half of the season. And and oh my God, how many runs would the Rangers have scored in the first inning of game seven if Maldi hadn't been there to settle him down? So the lineup's going to get better because whoever is filling out the lineup card next year, Maldonado's either not going to be here or quite clearly is going to be the backup not starting mm-hmm. 110 games. Uh, you hit on the bullpen. Uh, Stanek probably looks for a little elevated role somewhere, a primary setup man, which can command more money than being the fourth or fifth guy out of a bullpen. Maton had a very good season after a lousy 2022. So what is his market? Narris's player option vested. So I, I think you hit nail on head there. He looks for two, three years. Will the Astros go there? Uh, Ryan Presley, their closer. One year left at $15 million. Brian Abreu, their second best reliever, just getting toward arbitration eligibility. Not even there. They control him for five more years, uh, four more years. Uh, Kendall Graveman, who they acquired late in the year, under contract at $8 million per for another season. So they have some pieces, but if they don't retain any of those three, yeah, they're going to have some bullpen work and uh, as always, fans, media, otherwise, it's easy to spend gobs of someone else's money. So, sure, it's yeah. just go out and sign Josh Hader, originally an Astros prospect, and there you have the devastating righty-lefty punch and your bullpen problems are solved. Will the Astros be willing to even entertain swimming in that deep end of the pool? Plus, Josh Hader's not going to go somewhere where he's not the clear closer. Uh, but right. the Astros, you know, to the victors belong the spoils, win the 2022 World Series, they're top five actually maybe a top three revenue team for 2023 behind only the Yankees and the Dodgers. Uh, The Astros payroll opening day 2023, actually lower than it was in 2022. So they have room and it's Jim Crane, who actually owns about 40% of the club, but he and the ownership group, it's their money, their decisions to make. Uh, But if you're talking about legacy and trying to milk the last you can from the cow of this glorious era, I don't think you want to be nickel dime cheap I'm not saying you go out and go crazy and yeah. offer Cody Bellinger seven years, $200 million, but that's the number one non pitching free agent who'd be an ideal fit for the Astros. Well, they're going to pay top of market to, to land a, a guy like that. So they're in a transition phase where it's not likely to all fall apart on them in 2024. Uh, but the very best of this era is in the rearview mirror, which doesn't preclude winning another World Series, but the whole point is just get in a tournament. And this now, Jim, is 29 years since the introduction of the, the wild card, seven, seven of those 29 years has the best team in baseball for the full regular season gone on to win the World Series. Because baseball more so than the NBA or the NHL, the gap mm-hmm. between winning and losing is just much smaller. You want to throw football in the mix? No team in, in baseball comes close to winning 75% of its games. Right? right. In the NBA, the best 60-win team, win, in the NFL, the best team goes 14-3, and three. The worst yeah. teams, with very rare exceptions, Oakland this year. The worst teams don't lose two-thirds of their games. In the NFL, the worst team's is going to go 2-15 and 15 or 3-14. and 14. The worst team in the NBA is going to go 18-64. and 64. Mm-hmm. Um, So you get into the postseason, to me there's no such thing as a big upset because bad teams can beat good teams 3 out of 5 so that mm-hmm. a good team can beat a better team or a great team 3 out of 5 or 4 out of 7 upset, but no one should ever be shocked by anything whether it's yeah. the Rangers coming into Houston and making it seven for seven, the road teams in the series, or the Diamondbacks going into frightful Philadelphia and winning six and seven there. Baseball is just different by this, by that criterion.
1: Yeah. And the more teams you let in, the more parity you create. And there are a lot of teams that just missed out. So it really is Uh baseball is in a very, I think healthy place for that perspective where uh, you are going to enter into the 2024 season and, and there are going to be teams that look at what Arizona did and they're going to say, why not us? The Rockies will say that. The Reds will say that. The, the, the Cleveland will say that. Why can't we spin it around and, and get in and do pretty much every fan base minus Oakland, maybe Kansas City, everyone else, all the other 28 other teams are going to be like, we could do it. We could definitely do it. We've got the young talent. We've got a lot of a lot of things going in our direction. As for the Astros in this offseason, has there been any indication yet from Jim Crane, from anyone on the, now it's it's early, the season just ended, so there may not have been a sort of exit interview kind of um, press conference with anyone yet. I'm curious as to the direction for the payroll. Is there any hints to that? If it would maybe go up from what it was in 2023, is it going to be flat? Have they, have they given any indication? Uh, no
0: indication. I would expect it to go up at least incrementally. They drew 3 million fans this year for the first time since the Craig Biggio 3,000 hit countdown at they milled mm-hmm. for all it was worth back right. in 2007. And ticket prices and concessions and parking and merchandise, it's all more costly than it was 15, 16 years ago. So yeah. uh, Astros swimming in cash. I don't yeah. think they're just going to profit take all that. Plus they still have a good team and they know, right. It's about keeping up with the Joneses. The Joneses have gotten better. Obviously the Rangers, the Mariners with their young core and a very low payroll, relatively speaking in 2023. And I threw out Otani there, right? Forget about the pitcher. Mariners need hitting. And he spent a class couple of off seasons in Seattle, the huge Asian population in the Pacific Northwest. So if you mm-hmm. want to connect dots there and it's not a glamor market team for Otani, very bad news for the Astros if, if Otani says, yeah, I'm just gonna move up, up the coast. Uh, yeah. so, you know, the, and, and when you get a taste, uh, unless you own the Marlins, the couple of times they want it, you want more. And right. I guess it's an individual choice of legacy. And if, I mean, if the Astros were to aggressively, uh, pursue, you know, I don't think it would be hater. Uh, if they, one more good innings eating starter. Uh, mm-hmm. Blake Snell if they wanted to jump in on Blake Snell I don't mm-hmm. think they go to four years 100 million or whatever Blake Snell winds up getting but if they decide okay well not him if Aaron Nolan's is not going back to the Phillies if you believe in Marcus Stroman's health bouncing back but if you want to take a pretty big bite at the apple in free agency a pitcher they could use another outfield bat I presume Brantley is toast they have Tucker they have Chaz McCormick who had a big year but where does he level and you know, he turns 29 next season and it was really his first yeah really good season in the major leagues. I think Brantley's done Alvarez. They don't want playing every day left field, so they could use a third outfielder slash DH. Um, mm-hmm. They have the the fiscal wherewithal to do that. And again, it's not our money, but when crane right. and his group bought the team, they paid $610 million for it. It's actually six eighty, but they got a nice rebate for the quid pro quo. If you want us to approve your purchase, you have to agree to go to the American league, which caused a big ruckus at the time. It's worked out quite well for them, along mm-hmm. with now having a great, great rivalry with the Rangers, as opposed to this silly silver boot thing they've been playing for since interleague play. Now you're in the same division every year, and oh, the Rangers now became the upper hand team. So being in the American League is great. That was a, a terrific thing that happened to Crane that they were told, you don't get the team unless you agree to go to the American League, and they agree to go to the American League. So they paid $610 for it. They wanted to sell. They could command $2, 2500000000 billion for it. So I don't right. want to say it's just a rounding error, and again, it's their couch. But if they reach between the cushions to come up with an extra ten or twenty million, to try to squeeze all they can out of what's left of the back mm-hmm. end of Altuve's prime, if it's one more, run it back with both Altuve and Bregman here, because you're not going to extend both to the end of their thirties, right? Altuve is the ranking guy; he is the right. iconic player who's now probably about on the plateau of Hakeem Olajuwon uh, in Houston team sports. Of what I'll call the more modern era, Earl Campbell predating that. I mean, that's where Altuve is uh, in the Houston sports hierarchy. And you don't know where the team will be four or five years from now, but I mentioned the last time they drew 3 million, right? They've been in the playoffs all these years in a row. They won the World Series in 2017. They didn't draw 3 million after that. They drew 3 million mm-hmm. this year. Last time mm-hmm. was when the team was terrible, but Craig Biggio, come watch Bidge Chase 3,000. Well, Jose Altuve won over 2,000 hits this year. Mm-hmm and his health along with maintaining performance will be big issues but he gets to age 39 40 he'll be in that 3000 neighborhood yeah and yeah. the Astros I, I think like Biggio here you know like Tony Gwynn with the Padres Cal Ripken with the Orioles Altuve is the kind of guy that uh one franchise the whole career and you crown it with 3000 hits of glory but not if you're still a contending team where you're going to just keep him in the lineup leading off every day if he stinks but So he's getting extra plate appearances as opposed to batting eighth or ninth, but Altuve's game, the way he hits and with the power, he should age well and become a DH type guy. I don't think he's going to be an everyday second baseman of quality when he's 36, 37 years old. Uh, But that is a big, big question. And do they aggressively pursue an extension with him this offseason? And Altuve is now a Scott Boris guy.
1: Which is never the best news for a franchise. Um, uh, real quick, do you think they try to get uh, conversations with Tucker going about an extension, or is Tucker destined for free agency?
0: You know, they're still two years away, so it's yep. not like a ticking time bomb yet, or it's a, a slow tick on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the Astros were to go to him now and say, "Boy, you stunk in the postseason," what do you say? <laughs> this is a low ball offer, and and to me, Jim, obviously, we're talking substantial sums of money. Yeah, But especially for agents, the numbers. Salary is another form of a scoreboard, and so that the agents can pitch other clients. I got my guy this. Uh, You know, I find it hard to think that I would turn if the Astros came with five years on top of the two years left $130 million, $26 million per year. Am I going to sneeze at that? That generations of Tucker progeny would be set up, right? No need to worry about college funds for them. Uh, Or no, I think I'm a $200 million player and I want at least eight years. Uh, Austin Riley with the Braves is my age. He got over $200 million, Mm -hmm. Ah, but over 10 years. Uh, But two years away from free agency, Uh, I would be surprised if they get something done this year. Crane has not Mm -hmm. gone over five years of new money with anybody. Altuve did have two years left on his deal at very low ball money when they extended him five years 151.5 151.5 million, it was tacked on to two years and barely 12 million that he had right. left on a deal he'd signed very early in his career. Um, I'll tell you, Fromber Valdez, a frontline starter, but had a bad second half, two poor playoff outings. He's two years away from free agency. He'll be Mm -hmm. 31 years old when he gets to free agency. I think the second half of the season and the postseason cost Fromber tens of millions of dollars if he was to try to engage now with the Astros in extension talks. If one or the two was to sign, and the guy's still two years away, I would lean to Tucker because he's three and a half years younger. Uh, Generally, there's more reliable performance and and health with a position player, quote-unquote, as as opposed to a pitcher. Uh, But they were nowhere close in spring training, and elephant's memory, you know, where will Tucker factor it in? That, yeah, they said nasty things about me and beating me in my arbitration case, and I'm going to get that dollar back times two. Uh, yeah. When, when if we're to to do something longer term, Kyle Tucker grew up and t- grew up in Tampa. Two years from now, you know, with the Rays finally having a stadium in the works, might there be appeal for Tucker to go home to a a real good Rays franchise? So a lot of variables sure. on this. Uh, but yeah. I think the Astros are more apt to look to add one impact impact player to at not a not a top of market price, uh, but that's where the payroll jump would be rather than say let's uh, buy out arbitration tuck and here's twenty five million dollars
1: per yeah. year. Yeah, considering the money coming off the books, a projected uh, increase slightly in revenue, the money that's going to have to maybe go towards bullpen pieces if you're losing three key guys. That'll be fun. That, that I, I'm really intrigued to see how the Astros navigate that, um, and and to, to oh to be a fly on the wall in those arbitration hearings for Tucker and Valdez this upcoming February March whenever they whenever they end up getting getting around to the hearings. Um, one key element is Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker's telling everybody that he is this is this is going to be it for him. Who do you like to replace Dusty? Do they stay in-house? I think they have a very qualified in-house candidate. Um, do they go outside of the organization? Who do you like to be Dusty's, who, who do you like to be the next man sitting in that chair for the Astros next year? Yeah, that's
0: where there's uh, you know kind of a mixed body of work since Jim Crane became the owner. Now, he entirely empowered Jeff Luno, To make the hires when Luno was running the show, Bo Porter was a one and done mess, not a good roster to work with, but didn't distinguish himself as a, as a manager. And then AJ Hinch, who looked really, really, really smart with all the talent he had here. AJ Hinch, Detroit Tigers. Eh, Funny how that kind of stuff works. Uh, The in-house candidate is Joe Espada, who's been the bench coach, has experience elsewhere. He's been a finalist for other managerial jobs, obviously hasn't gotten one yet uh you mentioned fly on the wall espada who absolutely at least gets an interview uh they're going to go i think significantly younger than dusty who will be out and i think of his own volition and he turns 75 next year it is a grind the travel he referenced his grandchildren and his dogs who he's barely spent any time with but if dusty didn't make the call i'm almost certain the call would be made for him right the new general manager dana brown had nothing to do with the hiring of dusty Got a very distinguished four-year tenure, right? Four ALCSs, two World Series trips. But tactically, he's just not very strong. And when your rookie never before been a general manager is publicly calling out a couple of lineup decisions, that was eyebrow-raising during the season. So uh, what a great baseball life for Dusty Baker. But in terms of being in the dugout, I think it's up for him. So on Espada, with a couple of the real sore thumbs that were ongoing themes of the season in evaluating Dusty the tactician, the Astros, Crane, Brown, whoever else is in the process. So Joe, hey, you were a trusted lieutenant. You were a loyal bench coach to Dusty Baker, but what did he do that you thought was really dumb? That if you're our manager, you're gonna chart a different course. Philosophically, how do we mesh? And I would guess Joe spot his first response would be, well, Yainer Diaz is gonna catch a lot more. And as I said in our Stone Cold Stroh's podcast the other night, well, then you're hired. Uh, yeah. It's as simple as that. Uh, but Espada, Espada uh, in, in this market, a young Hispanic bilingual manager uh, would make a lot of sense on, on multiple levels. And I think he's earned the opportunity, put in the dues. Uh, he is well aware and inculcated to the to the Astros way. If they go outside, I'm sure someone will throw it out there. Hey, what about bringing out AJ, bringing back AJ Hinch? Uh, don't see it happening under contract. And I just don't think they want to go back to the future on that front where they would broaden it after that. uh, Who really knows? But I think a is the first guy who gets a a real hearing.
1: I, I I love Espada as the possibility there. I think that uh, when when he was interviewing for the Mets job, when the Mets ended up going with Buck, uh, he was one of the three finalists. And I I think that, I think the Mets, now hindsight's 2020. 20. I think Espada may have worked out better, but I don't know if that, I don't know if that would have been the right time for Espada. It seems like there was some talk about him wanting to stay, even though he was interviewing. There was a lot of conflicting reports on did he want to go? Was he gonna go? Was he promised a gig? There's all that stuff. But I love Espada for you guys, for everything you just said, everything you identified. I think he is a great man to promote into that role, promoting from within. I think also, um, you know, shows, you know, is is a positive to everybody else within the organization. I think not, nothing but good things could happen from a spot. I do think he would be in a great spot there. Let me ask you this one last question. I would like for you to, I guess I'm not asking you, give me your, Um. give me, give my viewers where they can find your content where can they go out you've got uh you've got the stone Cold Strows podcast you've got uh, sports map Houston where can they find uh Charlie Palillo
0: there's your one two, the stone Cold Strohs uh, podcast I do with uh, a couple of good guys and have a lot of fun doing with that plugs Josh Jordan Brandon Strange and producer Jack Brame uh, a weekly column that through the baseball season I pretty much do exclusively uh, Astrocentric content uh sportsmap.com the the link on that and with the houston texans re-entering the nfl this year we've added a a weekly texans on tap uh sports map uh podcast YouTubeable or wherever you get your podcasts
1: awesome awesome go and find charlie find him on youtube find him on twitter find him wherever you spend your time online. Great content. I don't think you will regret that. Charlie, thank you for joining me. And to all of the listeners out there, Barreled Up Podcast, thank you guys for coming in and listening. Stay close to the pod. Make sure to turn those automatic downloads on so you get the content as soon as it is dropped into the feed. Help us grow. Subscribe, rate, and review. And stay close because there's more great baseball conversation coming your way. Thank you guys for listening.